to say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed from that very hour. When Jesus came to Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. So she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out spirits with a word and healed the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain forever. I thank you for the grace of God and for the anointing that even falls now. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just go ahead and do that. Come on, lift your voice. Pray in the Holy Ghost. We give you praise and glory and honor for what you're going to do tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. All of the Gospels have themes. Each book has a theme. The book of Matthew, Matthew's theme is Jesus is King. I want you to say that. Jesus is King. And you read through Matthew, you will see the power of the kingdom displayed. And you see, of course, see in other texts, but it's very clear as Matthew writes his Gospel, he's referring to or proving that Jesus is King. And... When a king gives a decree, when a king says, this is going to be happen, guess what? It happens. And so we see Jesus releasing his kingdom here. These three miracles that speak of Jesus' power. The first one's a leper. Leprosy. You need to really understand leprosy a little bit to understand what Jesus did. If you look at verse 2. This leper comes to Jesus. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. And it's an act of worship. said, Lord, if you're willing. How many of you believe God's willing to help you? Okay, all ten of you. So the rest of you, should we just stay on that topic right there? Because I want to let you know that God really wants to help you. He does. He's willing. Everybody say, He's willing. He's willing. Lots of people know He can. He's able Almost everybody believes that. But not too many people know. He's not only able. He's willing. He's a good God. And so the, the, this leper comes worshiping. And Jesus reaches out his hand. Reaches out his hand and touches him. To touch a leper would be in that day to basically get leprosy. You have to understand that this leper was not able to have fellowship with his family. He was not able to go to the temple. He was not able to worship in the temple or the synagogue. He was basically removed from all society and sequestered off so that that disease could be contained. They had no cure for leprosy. Leprosy, your your body would rot and basically fall off and you would slowly die. They had leper colonies. I pastored on the island of Molokai in Hawaii. And there they have Kalapapa. Kalapapa is a leper colony. It's still uh, in existence today. In fact, there are still some people that were there. They have a cure now for leprosy. So they're there, having moved there long ago when they were children, and they're much older. They're almost all of the people of Kalapapa that were originally planted there have passed on. And there's a, a, a wonderful movie uh, by Father, about Father Damien, who was a Catholic priest and gave his life to reaching the 
the people of Kalapapa with the gospel of Jesus. It is a powerful movie. In fact, if you see the movie, a lot of the people that are actually the, in the movie, not the main actors, but all the helpers, those are all the people that went to our church. <laughs> so it's kind of cool to watch. You see Pastor Robert on there. He's in there. And Kalapapa, they would, they would come with boats and just push them off the boats. And they'd have to swim in in shark-infested waters with rough seas and make it onto the island just to live, to survive. Leprosy in, the, in Jesus' day was not, not much different than that. They would send you off. When this, this leper came and kneeled before Jesus, first of all, he's breaking all rules. He kneels before the Lord and says, Lord, can you heal me? Sometimes I think that we have a, a condition in our lives or something in our lives that we're just not sure the Lord will help us with. You know, He wants to help you with everything. Everything in your life. He's willing. He's able. And He's willing. The leper comes and He worships. And I would say that worshiping the Lord is probably one of the very first steps to getting your deliverance, to getting your healing, to getting your miracle. Just worship Him. Not because He's, he's going give it, to give it to you, but because He's worthy. The leper believed that Jesus could heal him. And what did Jesus do? Jesus had compassion on him. He reaches out and he touches him. A display of compassion, which is really remarkable. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid of getting leprosy. After all, he's the king. And this leper in verse 4, look with me at verse 4. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't go tell anybody. But basically the man... Is completely healed. He's he's restored completely. It, it's a, you have to understand the full restoration. What do you mean? It's not that he just got healed. He got to go to the temple. He got to show the temple his his clean flesh, and then he got to get the blessing to go have church. You see, the picture is that Jesus doesn't just heal you. Come on, somebody. Jesus doesn't just heal you. He restores your life. Actually, the. the life sozo he, he he is the first holistic healer i know i know that you know the the the, the, the new age took that the holistic healing the prayer of the apostle paul that he would sanctify you first first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 it might be second thessalonians that he would sanctify you through and through spirit soul and body jesus comes to live inside your heart but he doesn't stay there if you'll allow him to work through your whole life he'll work through your whole life you renew your mind you work out your salvation with fear and trembling and he makes you whole he doesn't just wipe out your sin he makes you somebody who's not fractured somebody who can handle life live make an an impact in the earth this is not just some this god that we serve this jesus that we worship isn't just somebody who just gives you a band-aid he heals you and when he when he heals you he he takes away your sin he takes away your disease and he will change your life from being shattered and broken and rejected and dejected and depressed maybe or oppressed or addicted and afflicted and he takes you and he makes you somebody that can be a world changer if you let him do it you see, the leper didn't just get healed of leprosy. The leper got restored to the temple. Go and show the leaders. Go and show them so you can be restored. And that's what happened. He went and showed them and he got restored. He didn't just get healed. He got his family back. Come on. You want to talk about a reunion? Holy smokes. This person's body is falling to pieces. As Maybe he hasn't seen his family for 10 years. Maybe longer. Maybe 15 years. All of a sudden, he's healed. Guess what? I think he ran home. I think he ran home to his mom, to his dad, if they were living, to his children maybe, and embraced them for the first time. When Jesus heals you, he heals you. I stand before you as somebody who had like a leprosy. Nobody wanted to spend any time with me. Come on, they didn't want to spend any time with you either. Some of you so mean, you scare the junkyard dog. You know what I mean? You just... Mean, ah. Jesus restores relationships. This is what He does to this leper. He, the leper is restored. He's restored to the house of the Lord. Wow. Come on, somebody say, wow. He said, well, He hasn't done all that for me. Stick around. Stick around. Keep, keep serving Him. Keep at it. Don't quit. 
The second miracle that speaks to us, these three miracles, the, the miracle here with the, the leper, the second miracle is the miracle that takes place with the centurion. A centurion, a man of, of great faith. He simply asked Jesus to speak a word. This guy has revelation of authority. And revelation, I think, that God would want us to catch tonight. There is power in your words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, it says in the book of James. And the way you speak will literally produce the harvest. Jesus, pardon me, the Lord spoke in the Old Testament and said to them, the very words I heard you say, it says in the, in the book of Numbers, that I will do. Let me ask you, what words are you saying? The centurion had a revelation of authority. I preached years ago, in fact, in Molokai, there can be no resurrection without a, without a revelation of authority. Without submission to authority, there's no resurrection. Jesus had to submit to his father, had to work the plan. Do you think he wanted to? Do you think that Jesus actually wanted to be crucified? Oh, well, he was in submission. He's like, oh, is there another way, God? Is there another way, Lord? Father, excuse me. Father, if there is another way, because I know you know all things, you, can, you know, if you could just like look me up with the easier way. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And sometimes we want the easy way out. That's what the devil was tempting Jesus with, was tempting him with the quick way. Here's the quick way to get the kingdoms of the earth. Just submit. Of course, it was a lie. Father of lies. Baal's above. The ugly one. The centurion says, just speak a word. He understood authority and recognized Jesus' authority. Great faith is linked to understanding authority. Understand. In fact, the word ecclesia is a word for the church. Ecclesia is a, is a, is a term. It's a political term. It, it means those who've been called out to vote to make decisions for a town or for a region. That's what ec the ecclesia it's, it, it's They would gather them together and they would vote and then the decision would be made. And God chooses the word ecclesia for the church. That's the word of the church. The call, called out ones. Us. You see, when we pray, things change. When you speak, you have to understand. I, there's that one pastor, uh, bishop, somebody, I forget, but he opens his church service with a, with a gavel. You know what that is? That's what a judge has on his, on his, uh, in, you know, his judge's desk or uh, there in the court. He would, court's in session, bam! That means what's now happening is being recorded and the decision that is made, there is a courtroom in heaven. There is a courtroom in heaven and the way that you speak is being recorded. Every word, idle word is being recorded. Say, so that's scary me. Good. Awesome. What are you speaking? Some of you need to suck on a bar of ivory soap. Others of you just need to be reminded that your words have power. And when you look at your kid and say, can't you act like your sister? And you set them up in comparison. You're destroying that young man, that little boy. You're going to be no good just like your father. You're actually trying to motivate him to be you know, somebody great, but you're doing it through negative means. And I'm going to tell you, it does not work. You want to curse your kid, just speak over them how stupid they are, and they will end up stupid and, and fulfill every negative prophecy you spoke over them. Come on, your words have power. Speak life. Come on, sometimes my kids have done things that I didn't think was the greatest. And I always didn't always respond rightly. But when it happened, I would just speak faith. You know, I, not always, but I'm getting better. Come on, anybody getting better? Don't get bitter, get better. Jesus is helping me. I would tell them, you know something? God's going to really use you. And mistakes like that, you're not going to make those mistakes. You're going to move on and you're going to do something great for God. Just speak life. Come on, somebody speak life. You gotta speak life. Somebody say it. Speak. Speak life. Don't be don't be on the devil's wrecking crew. Be on God's building crew. Be, in, be speak as though speaking the very words of God, an oracle of God. So so here this centurion has this revelation. Has a revelation that Jesus, if Jesus would just say it, it would come to pass. And Jesus is astonished, I think was the word. And you'll notice that what the centurion believed is what took place. I love what Mary says. May be done.
to me as you have said. But God wants to do great things. Why don't you just agree? Sometimes in my mind, my mind wants to give me an argument. I just push that aside, as logical as it might be. I mean, you can make a... Come on, how many of you know you can make a list of, what, what, of how it's not going to work out? And, and all of it be reason. Do you know reason is the guillotine of your faith? You can try to plan the thing out and just go, oh, well, that just doesn't make sense. So that is just no way on God's green earth that that could happen. Yeah, well, God's not on the green earth. He owns it. Amen. He owns you. The earth is His footstool. He's in heaven. He wants you, He's looking for somebody to agree with Him. So what the centurion believed took place. What are you believing for? You see, we don't really like that question because we want it just to be done for us. Come on, we want our diapers changed for us. Hello. What are you believing for? I don't like that because it puts responsibility on me for the change that I'm desiring in my life. And many Christians think that if you just come and give your heart to Jesus, it's all going to be good. I've got a news flash for you tonight. I've come all the way from Palmer to tell you this. That's not true. You're going to have to believe. Faith, pistis in the Greek. You, you have to believe. You have to believe. Come on. You might just have a little minuscule bit of faith, but every man is given a portion of faith, and you have to, you have to exercise it. Come on, you've got to exercise it. Started working out again. Painful experience today. Painful. I was ripping up this total insanity program before I quit. Now I, I, I bailed. I quit. I've been out for about six months. Good God Almighty, keeping up with those young people on that video. Jesus, help me. Doing those cross jacks and stuff. Anybody know what that is? Anybody know what a cross jack is? You don't even, I'm not even going to show you. Forget it. Doesn't even sound right. Cross Jack. Oh no, I'm not showing you. No, no, shut up, Pastor Vince. Praise the Lord. My point is if you don't exercise your faith, if you don't exercise it, then you get weaker. Come on, he wants you to believe. The, 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 the centurion believed. What are you believing for? We believe that God was going to give us a building that week. I told Pastor Vince, get the building, dude. He's like, amen, hallelujah. The whole week goes by, it's Saturday. He's like, God. His wife has some revelation. They make a phone call. We got it that week. It was the end of the week. Oh, we got a building. Well, we had to believe for it. We had to do some cross jacks. Come on. What are you believing for in your life? Well, I don't know. I just kind of thought I'd just kind of come to church and just hope for the sovereignty of God. Well, you know, thank God for His grace and His sovereignty. I mean, he's, He loves us. But some people stand on the sovereignty of God. And the devil knocks at your door and you're like, I guess the Lord's led you here. Come on into my house. Praise the Lord. He's like, thanks for letting me in. <laughs> yeah. When he wanted you to shut the dough in the devil's face, he wanted you to say, "Hey, what are you, have you got the? Have you out of? Have you? You are. I bind you. I, 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 and he runs away. You took authority. You, you broke that thing. You took a stand. You spoke. Don't just count on the sovereignty of God to make it all work out for you. You might. You know, we cripple heaven by believing that God will not do what you are supposed to do. You have to speak." You have to believe. you got to get your carcass out of bed to pray early. Come on. You have to open your Bible. The angel's not going to open the Bible for you and make you read it. No, you have to do your part. The centurion believed. What did he believe? I believe that if you speak the word, kabang, my servant. Everybody say kabang. 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 My servant's going to be healed. Bam. Fried chicken. My servant will be healed. He believed. He what? He what are you believing for? So, oh, just maybe a couple things. I think you should have a mega list. Well, I have this big list stuff I'm believing for. Oh, hallelujah. 
Peter's mother-in-law. It's the third miracle. The same story is told in Luke chapter 4 and verse 39. Same story. She gets healed. Jesus lays hands on her, rebukes the fever. It's an interesting word. It's the same word used for casting out a demon. Rebukes the fever. She gets up and makes fried chicken. She gets up and she ministers as a result of her healing. She gets up and she, I think she cooked. I, you know, I don't think she went to cleaning. I think, I think she got up and cooked. That's what I think. Come on. Maybe some shish kebabs or something. Put together a little dish of hummus. Couscous. <laughs> Made some unleavened bread and they ate it up. Hallelujah. She was healed. Everybody say couscous. Ah, oh, that's good. Try it again. Ready? One, two, three. Couscous. Ah, oh, that's good. That's awesome. <laughs> that's an awesome word, isn't it? Just makes me want to do a cross jack. Okay, come on. God is speaking to us tonight. Very simple, simple message. In all of these instances, you'll see faith is expressed. And faith is needed. Jesus is a miracle worker. But faith is always, faith is always present when he's doing a miracle. And it's seen in three ways. The leper's faith, the centurion's faith. And this, this last bit after Jesus' mother, you see these multitudes of people come and they bring. It says, it's verse 16. Look at verse 16. When evening came. Do you know why evening came? Evening came, the, sab- the Sabbath was over, so they all just rushed and figured, he can heal them now. They were still locked in a religious bondage. They didn't bring the, the multitudes before that. Sunset, Sabbath is over, and they hustled to go bring the multitudes. So the three kinds of faith you see, you see the leper's faith, centurion's faith, and you see the faith of the multitudes. Leper's faith, he worshipped, he believed, but he lacked understanding that it was God's will for him to be healed and restored. And many of you lack that understanding. Or maybe I should say some of you. Some of you lack understanding that God not only wants to heal you, he wants to restore your whole life. I stand before you as a man who is absolutely shattered. And God has restored my whole life. There are a few things that, uh, that I'm still holding on yet. I'm going to keep holding on. And I might go to heaven and not see them in their fullness. Because God has to deal with the likes of people's choices. He has to people, we, we choose. You choose God or not. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to believe. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to believe. And I'm going to understand. Say it, I'm going to understand. God's will for me is to be totally healed and totally restored. For me and my family, that's God's will. Totally healed, totally restored. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. That's true. That's God's will for you. The centurion's faith, he was only a Gentile, but he had great faith. Why? Because he understood authority. You need to understand authority. We need to understand the authority of God's Word. Furthermore, if the ultimate authority in your life is not God's Word, you're in big trouble. You see, the question for you tonight is this. Do you really believe that this is God's Word? Because if this is God's Word, then you... Then you, you see, way, the, way that you, the way that you live, that is what you believe. The, yeah, you want to know what you believe... Go look at where you spend your money, how you live, how you talk, how you walk, people hang out with. That's what, that's what you believe. You say, I don't like that. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's have a reality check tonight. You know, if you really are a believer, come on. Now, here's the thing. I, I didn't like that because it made me personally responsible. Again. And I would see things in my life like, oh, that doesn't really line up. That's not too good. And I had a rage problem. I was so angry. I came across a word study tonight that I did, I don't know, it's probably 30 scriptures on anger. I started reading them again and started getting a little convicted. <laughs> you know, just the sin of irritation start getting up on you. If you're, if you're angry, if you're hurting, if you're broken, you've got to get the word in you to change you. You You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you don't know the truth, then you're bound. 
Paul was, was totally committed on fire Pharisee. Believed in the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. Believed. Persecuted this cult. Later to find out, he was going to be the leader of it. And it wasn't a cult at all. He was wrong. He was living out his belief. The way that you live in your life is what you believe. He said, I don't like that so much. I know. That's why you have to get an overhaul of your belief system. Come on. Some of your belief systems messed up. The BS. Belief system. It's messed up. Got to get it out. What's wrong with you people? Got to get out that stuff. Got to get it out. You got to change your mind. You got to renew your mind. Uh, if God's not, if God's word is not the final authority, then whose authority are you under? You see, you're under the shadow of His wings, or you aren't. <laughs> well, look at your neighbor, slap him five, and say, "Praise the Lord, I'm under God's authority." Hallelujah. Come on, look at your other neighbor, slap them five, and say, don't be in rebellion. Okay, look at the other person and say, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. Go ahead, say it. <laughs> Whoa, hey. We're having fun tonight. Let me say this to you. Oh, I think I'll go there. Time for a cross jack. No. Get away from me, man. What's going over here? Man, somebody had like a peanut party over here. Did somebody come up with a peanut addiction? Got it broken off right here, I think. I'm just so Uh What are we talking about? No, we're talking about authority. We ain't talking about cross jacks. There is, watch this now, there's two realms of authority. There's structural authority. Everybody say structural authority. Structural authority. Give me some examples of structural authority. Any guess? Structural authority. Police. Okay, government, right? Government. Good. Give me another one. So church is another one. Who is that? Church is another one. It's another authority. Family. I heard over here too. Right? How about job? Employer. These are structural authorities. And there's lots of scriptures that point out about how we're submit. To structural authority, right? Then there's spiritual authority. God teaches you spiritual authority by submitting to structural authority. Oh man, I'm on a I'm on a nerve. I'm just going to jump on it just a little minute. God teaches you spiritual authority by submission to structural authority. So I don't like that. Okay, well you need to get the message that I preached last Sunday. All right, on mistreatment. It's called the Seminary of Saul. The what? The Seminary of Saul. You see, God will allow you to be in structures with dysfunctional authority because He's trying to teach you, test your heart to see if you'll go ahead and kill Him. Or if you'll if you're submit and understand that God is the one that ordained that authority and He puts you under it and you just die, submit. I'm not talking about do sin. I'm... De- I, I, I've been in positions where somebody wanted me to do a particular course of action, and I, that was not the best course of action in my mind. Guess what? I'm not the boss at that point. So guess what? You can appeal. You can make an appeal. There's an appealing process. You want to learn how to do that, just go read the book of Daniel. They were going to stuff them full of the king's meats and all that stuff. And he said, you know, I, I, can we try something? Can we just, we just want to eat some pulse. Want to eat a little bit of vegetables. Can we just try it for about 10 days? Is it, can we try it? And he'd be like, okay, but after that, that's it. Well, after 10 days, I think it's 10 days. Is that right? Book of Daniel. After 10 days, Daniel and his boys were healthier, stronger, fresher looking than all these other defiled dudes. So he allowed them to do that. He didn't defile himself with the king's table. You can petition, but it could have been that the, that, the, that the eunuch would say, No, dude, I told you, you eat the stuff. Guess what Daniel would have done? He'd have eaten the defiled meat. Praise the Lord, or gotten killed or something. But I don't know. The point is, is that God places you under realms, levels of authority that you might not agree with. But that's not the point. 
I am preaching to somebody in here. I can feel it, man. There's certain times I can just... I'm a, I just might do a cross jack, you all. God, you have to learn to submit. That's the issue. Are you submitted? Or do you think you know better? Man, I struggled in my discipleship program. You know, the one I was in, boy. <laughs> I did, because I just thought they just brain damage. These people don't know nothing. I know all y'all never felt that way. Then I discovered, I'm the brain damage one. But then even yet, they would have me do work and different things that, that could have been done better. But they said, do it this way. And it was a test. It was a test of the heart. God will test you. Spiritual authority is learned through submission to structural authority. And if you do not submit to structural authority, you are not submitted to God. And I'm not telling you. You, don't, you choose to be under the authority you're under. Mostly, if you're mandated by the law, well, then you're still under that, and you have to follow through. And if it's not good, well, you're the one that broke the law. You're getting your judgment. Praise God, you ain't going to hell over it. Uh -huh. I got rights. No, you don't. You've been purchased for the price. Your life is not your own, and God knows how to change authority. God knows how to move things around. We went to a revival meeting when I was at my one of my discipleship schools. And it was Rodney Howard Brown. Does anybody remember Rodney Howard Brown? I heard the sound of heaven that night. Oh, I might mess myself up. Oh, you want to hear this story? I'm going to tell you the story. This is good. Came in. I was a part of a teen challenge center. It was and it had come off of a hardcore life experience and and I uh, went in voluntarily to this program that I eventually got kicked out of. Anyway. <laughs> they go to this... Oh, well, it was, it was our church, the one that... I, it was our church. It was King's Cathedral and Chapels. They, they go to our church. This is 1995, January. We go to the church. Rodney Howard Brown is there, and 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 angels were there, and heaven was there, and and I don't know what to tell you other than up to that point, I had never experienced anything like that. Oh, and we walked into that place, and I felt like I'd gotten home. You know why? Because how many of you know, man, the presence of God's just getting a little thicker in here. I walked into that place and I began to weep. I had been in church and stuff. But I was saved and I was filled with the Holy Ghost and I was living right because I was in a program. <laughs> but the presence of God was so thick and so strong that I began to weep from the moment I walked across the threshold of the door. And they, you know, they had worship. Worship was great. I was three-quarters of the way back on the right-hand side. On one side is this man, bro, brother's name, John. I don't know what happened to him. I think on my other side was Kalani Losco, Hawaiian guy. I introduced Rodney Howard Brown. He got up and he showed a video. It's called The Night When Angels Sang. And you can get it. You can go Google that, The Night When Angels Sang. You can see it. I dare you. I dare you. Go, go, go to, it's probably on YouTube or something. The Night When Angels Sang, Rodney Howard Brown. He preaches this message. It's Everybody's all dated, like early, early 90s, you know, rainbow background on the church and the whole thing. And, and angels start singing. The whole place starts worshiping God, and you can hear the sound of heaven. And when they start showing this, and I begin to hear the sound of heaven, I begin to lift my voice, and I left. I, I had I had an encounter with God that changed my life forever. It just changed my life forever. I don't know what to tell you. It's not just normal church. We're not talking about goosebumps. I'm talking about heaven. I began to lift my voice and I could hear a heavenly choir singing multitudes upon multitudes of voices lifted up before the throne of the living God, before the sea of glass, worshiping the King. Worshipping the king. And what happened is the entire congregation 
entered into that same worship, which is what I'm desperately trying to get us to do. You see, we're so consumed with the toaster oven that you might have left on or the job and all the stuff and you got to get back and Facebook somebody that we don't get usually a one accord. If you can get a group of people that get in one accord and really go for God, then the roof peels off. And I don't know if heaven comes here or we go there, something happens. And if you've experienced that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm trying to get the church there. But we're so distracted when we come in, so irritated that somebody bumped our car in the parking lot or, or whatever. That night was a life-changing night. Kalani Lasko, um, he couldn't walk for well over a day. He couldn't talk, and the brother could talk, so he couldn't talk at all. No, he was brother talk a lot, you know what I mean? He couldn't talk at all. He could not speak. Say, so what's up with that? He couldn't speak. He, was, he saw things that blew him away. Glory unspeakable. Unspeakable and full of glory. That's what happened to him. He talks about it. Got delivered of a whole bunch of stuff all in one meeting. Nobody laid hands on him. I think Jesus' angels laid hands on him or something. The other guy, he ended up standing, John, that guy John, ended up standing on a chair. Now, I didn't know it, but his, he had grabbed my trap and sank his hand I was black and blue, uh, and and he broke the skin on my on my trap. You know, what trap is this part. You develop those when you do cross jacks. <laughs> Squeezed me so hard that I was black and blue, and it broke through the skin, which I didn't even know until later when I was taking my shirt off the following morning, and I looked and go, whoa. And I remember John holding on to me there, and I asked him about it. He couldn't talk either for for a good half a day. When they finally did talk, he confessed that he wasn't saved. He didn't know Jesus. He'd been in the program for eight months. Didn't know Jesus was playing and couldn't wait to get out to go do what he was going to do. And he had an encounter in hell. That's what he had. He went straight to hell. I went to heaven. He went to hell right next to me. And he told us about it with weeping, crying, terrified. That boy got saved, Jack. I am serious. He got saved, saved, saved saved he looked different talked different couldn't get out of his bible they can do holding on to me for man back to the authority i'm going somewhere with this we go back to our our campus and the leaders of the campus say we're not going back to the revival meetings when they said we're not going back I think, I think all the girls, it was, it was uh, girls and guys, all the girls, I think they began to cry. They began to weep. I was outraged. In fact, I stood up and said, what? What? I was the fat mouth in there, you know. <laughs> I stood up and said, what? They said, we're not going back. Now, they, I was, they were accustomed to me losing it a little bit. Like, in other words, shut up, dude, we're going. You know, I was kind of like that. So they said, Daniel, sit down. And I just sat down, which was a miracle, because I don't usually sit down. I was I was really strong-willed guy. I imagine that. So I, I, I sat down, and they said, "We're not going. We've made a decision. We'll not go." All right, we're going to have chapel. They had chapel consisted of the entire student body weeping. Uh, they it was a, usually a short chapel, and then they would pray for breakfast. Nobody got up. You serve food in a camp like that, they suck the food out of everywhere. And especially chocolate cakes and stuff like that. Any kind of sweet. <laughs> we stayed in the chapel. We had to do chores, so everybody got up. They skipped breakfast. It was a, a fast brought about by the Spirit of God. And we, we fasted. Everybody didn't eat. We went and we did our chores, did our work, did our school stuff. As soon as that was over, I just, all I, all for me, all I could do is I've got to go pray. This can't be. This can't happen. I went and got on my face in this old church that was burned down. It was on the, on the campus. And I got on my face. The funny thing is when I got there, there were six or seven other students that were there before me. And they were praying. And so we all started praying and crying out. Sooner or later, that cry was heard over the entire campus. And the, all of the student body that was a part of that ended up in that church Weeping, crying, travailing for one thing. God, change, change this administration's mind. Change their mind, God. 
We need to go. It was SOS. I remember coming up out of my travail to see the director, the, the, the CEO, all the, all the heads. There was three major heads standing in the back of this thing, and they're crying. And they've, they're crying, and they finally say, uh, Students, and everybody looked up and said, We've never seen this, ever. We'll be going all week long. And everybody was just like, God answers prayer. Do you know what happened to me that week? I got so revolutionized by the fire of God. But we were submitted to authority. You can pray and things can change. But if you rebel, then you're rebelling against God. You could very well be rebelling against God. I'm not talking about they tell you to go do some sin. They tell you to do that. You don't have to do it. I'm talking about submitting. They ever tell you you can't read your Bible? They ever tell you we can't have church? Guess what we'll do? We'll have church. We'll read our Bible. Amen. That's where it says, you know, I think it's Acts 5. I need to close this message, but this is for somebody. Acts 5. It says that they're, they're flogged for having a miracle in Acts 4. I mean, they're, they're, they're beaten, and they're standing before the religious leaders of the day, and the religious leaders say, you will not preach the name of Jesus again. And they say, far be it for us, you judge, whether we should obey God or obey you. But we cannot help but testify about what we have seen and heard. So I'm sorry, but we're going to be obeying God. There does come moments like that. But mostly it's you die and submit. And in that, learn to have a heart like David. It's called the Seminary of Saul. I preached on it on Sunday. You need to get the message. It will help you. The centurion understood authority, do you? It's a place of miracles. All right. What Jesus did then, Jesus does now. He uses his disciples. He he uses people. He'll use you. Micah, would you come, please? His work is seen in the early church, but it's seen today, too. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, somebody say Jesus is a miracle worker. Say it again. Jesus is a miracle worker. So no matter what you're facing, he can help you. He wants to touch you. He's willing and he's able. You got to believe, though. And you have to understand his authority, the authority of the Word of God. Stand up on your feet, won't you? There's a place where the burden breaks. There's a place. There's a place for you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a place for you. It's true.
Holy Spirit, flow through this place. Heal. You're the healer, you're the healer, you're the healer, you're the healer. You're here, you struggle with depression. Might be the biggest miracle for you to respond to what I'm about to ask you to do. But if you do it, it'll break. If you struggle with depression and you don't want it anymore, many times that's because of an oppre- a, a demon spirit that tries to attach itself to you. Wants to be, you want to be free. You struggle with depression. You want to be free. Come to the front right now. This is your night. This is your moment. Lift your hands to the Lord. Lift your hands to Jesus. Close your eyes and lift your hands. And as you do, the power of God begins to come on you. from your depression in the name of Jesus loose go now right now come on sing in the spirit church lift your voice depression from him go
I no longer belong to you. I'm free. I'm filled with joy. I am no longer depressed. If you're saved and spirit-filled and love Jesus, help these guys up to their feet and just stand behind them. Come on. Come on, and you want to. You don't have to, but I mean, you want to participate. Come on. Come stand behind these.
Spirit of God, do what you love to do. Come on, just go after God. A few more moments. Service is almost over. Just a couple more moments. Don't underestimate a few moments in His presence. Oh, my. Father, we thank you for the power of your spirit, for your word tonight. I hear clearly. Over and over, the Lord is telling me in my heart, tell them the King is in the land. I tell you, the King is in the land. The King is in the land. The King is in the land. He's here. He's within you. Lives on the inside of your heart. If you've repented and asked Him to come in. The King is in the land. If you're not right with God, we want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus tonight. Whether it be the first time or a recommitment, just pray right out loud if you sincerely want to do that. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place for my sin. Forgive me for all of my wrongs. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Lift your hands to Jesus. Let Him fill you now. You need the power of the Spirit of God to keep depression from coming back. You need to be filled with the Spirit. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you've got to get filled tonight. Tonight's your night. You need power. You can't, drive, you can't drive to church. You don't put gas in the tank. You really have a hard time living for Jesus without the power, without the juice. The Holy Ghost gasoline. Power to live a holy, godly life. Power to witness. Power to resist sin. The devil, the flesh, you need to be filled with the Spirit. It's vital. It's vital to walking in victory and staying free. Right now, if you're not filled with the Spirit, God wants to fill you. Lord, fill them now. 
You've got to participate. It doesn't come with head knowledge. It's out of your belly. Sounds and syllables, just begin to let them out. Everybody all across this place. No more praying for people other than to receive the power of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You need it. You need the power. Pastor Vince, start laying hands on people. Be filled. That's it. That's it. Come on, let that out. Come on, let that out long, louder, stronger. That's the biggest weapon God gave you. That and the Word of God. Come on. Louder, bolder, louder, bolder. Come on. Hallelujah. Louder. Come on, people. Unashamed. Lift your voice. Pray in the Spirit. That's it. That's it. A little louder. Right from your heart. A little louder. That's it. You got it. Louder. 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 Keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop. Pray mysteries. 
What is that? It's the Spirit of God praying through, praying through your spirit. The perfect will of God.